Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Green Out Podcast. Happy weekend. You listen, this could be Friday, could be Saturday. Uh, big show coming up. We got a lot going on, actually. H- have some thoughts. H- have an interesting take here on the Browns, while, while I think that some of the things that are about to happen to them are going to be pretty unfair for their head coach. I On my other podcast, I talked to George Kittle. And he brought something up about the toughest guy he had to block, and and it really got me thinking. I'll bring back some sound on that. Some rookie quarterbacks. I mean, I've seen some quarterbacks are crushing. I've seen Ryan Lindley, the dude with the Bengals, is the worst quarterback ever. Some thoughts just on rookie quarterbacks in these mini camps. And then, like always, Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. The direct messages, wide open, baby. Come slide on in to those DMs, and I'll answer your questions here. On three and out, wherever you li- your podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, go subscribe. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. Numbers are booming, and I'll answer them here again. At John Middlecoff is my handle for Twitter, Instagram. But the way you get on this show, go to Instagram, slide up in those DMs, and I'll answer your question. I'll, I'll answer a bunch today. But I want to start with this. I noticed the NFL Network, Odell Beckham. There were some mandatory mini camps, and I think because whether you have a new head coach or an old head coach, it determines you know, whether 
you start training camp earlier, when you can do these OTAs. So there were a bunch of mandatory mini camps. I don't know exactly all the rules why some are this week. I know like the Niners and Raiders are next week. I, I don't exactly know. But I know there were some this week, and one of them was the Cleveland Browns. And Odo Beckham showed up, and it was a big deal, and NFL Network was there. They took the Pittsburgh Steelers reporter, they put her there. It really struck me. It's like, this team is being treated, again, I have one in my backyard, the Golden State Warriors. They're just treated differently. They they are covered differently. And the Golden State Warriors won multiple championships and have elite Hall of Famers on their team. So they've justified it. Like, I'm watching the Browns. They're getting coverage like they're the Patriots. It's a little nuts. And I think when you look at the head coach, we can talk about Baker and Odell, and I've talked a bunch about them, but about Freddie Kitchens. Imagine this. You got a new job. Think about the biggest job you've ever got, whether it's, you know, usually for most of us, like it happens a little older in life. You know, the biggest job you ever get is not necessarily the first job you ever get, but even the first job you ever get. They don't ask you to do the hardest shit in the first week, in the first month, hell, maybe in the first year. Even a big-time job, if you get one, they probably don't ask you to make like the number one sale three weeks on the job, six weeks on the job. Like You get some time to kind of ease your way into things. And when you look at most of the... Because that's the way things should be. I I can't just throw you out in the middle of the ocean before I know you can swim and expect that you're going to make it back to shore. Most jobs in any field, whether it's sports or whether it's business, whatever it is, whether it's being a teacher, usually get better with some experience. You're just more equipped. Because I, I know this, the more bad things that have happened to me in my life, every single time I've been better off for it. I've been fired twice. One, officially contract not renewed. Radio fired. You know, because we had some disagreements with the way people should be covered. As you know, if you listen to this, I ain't holding back. So if you try to muzzle me, it ain't going to work. And the Raiders weren't always okay with the way I covered them. Fine. But the best thing that ever happened to me was getting away from that. Now, it was forced. My hand was forced. But I learned I learned from failure twice, even though the quote-unquote failure was somewhat out of my control. But a lot of times, I think when you look at coaches, where hell, you know in business, sometimes just in economy terms. I know a lot of people. I have a lot of friends that work in some sort of uh, some area of the construction business. Now, a lot of my friends, you know, I'm in my early 30s, were just kind of coming into the workforce at, you know, 07, 08. So they struggled maybe getting a job. They didn't hit them. But all their bosses tell them stories like, when 07, 08 hit, we lost our ass. Well, most coaches, if you lose a quarterback, if you have bad injuries, if something goes wrong, you hire the wrong assistant coach, your season can get away from you. And you learn from that. Well, Freddie Kitchens has called plays for like eight weeks. He, he had never been a play caller till Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley got fired last year. And now he's asked to coach this team. And basically, anything less than the playoffs is going to be a disaster. It, honestly, right now, it feels like if they don't win 12 wins, it is going to be a major letdown and they're going to get destroyed. Well, I just went back and looked. Well, I mean, we can go way back. Bill Walsh, when he took over the 49ers. Like, your expectations going into a job on top of your experience matters. Most people don't have much expectations when they don't have much experience. When you have no experience and the expectations are sky high, it's a little out of whack. Like when Bill Walsh took over the 49ers, they were god-awful. When Bill Parcells took over the Giants, they were kind of in shambles. Let's go all the coaches in the league now. When Andy Reid took over the Eagles, they weren't very good. 
When he took over the Chiefs, they had the number one overall pick in the NFL. And, and he had had a lot of experience. When Sean Payton took over the New Orleans Saints, we all know they were the eights. When Pete Carroll took over Seattle, they were god-awful. Remember, he broke like the NFL record for transactions in a fiscal year. He cut and signed like 100. I mean, it was stupid. It was incredible. I, I'd have to look up what the actual number was. Sean McVay, when he took over the Rams. Jared Goff was literally viewed as the worst quarterback in the league. These are Andy, Pete, Peyton, McVay, Belichick. When he took over the Patriots, it's not like they were the Patriots. They had some good players, but they weren't like, they got to make the playoffs immediately. He had a couple years and kind of eased into it. The expectations, and, and all, some of those guys had experience as Bill Belichick had been a coach. When Andy went to Kansas City, he'd been a coach in Philly for like 15 years. Obviously, Sean Payton was new. Sean McVay was new. Pete Carroll had come off the most dominant stretch in college football, one of them ever, and had already coached in the NFL at multiple places and still had low expectations and kind of eased in and has built this little dynasty in Seattle. You know, when I say dynasty, you know what I mean. I don't mean like the Patriot dynasty, but I mean a hell of a seven-year run. Freddie Kitchens is expected to be like Sean Payton or Andy Reid immediately, and he's not anywhere close to being equipped to be able to do that. It's not even fair. I saw it in my backyard with Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio had it kind of fallen apart in Jacksonville, but had made the playoffs a couple times. I think we'd all acknowledge Jack Del Rio's not a great coach, but he's not Jim Tom Sula or anything. Came to the Raiders, sky, it couldn't have been any lower of expectations. So the second year when he makes the playoffs, it's like he hit the lottery. If Freddie Kitchens does not make the playoffs immediately, and you look at the best coaches, not just in the league now, but like NFL history, the most most of the time when they enter their job, the expectations are pretty low. I, I, I'm actually starting to feel bad for this guy. I, I don't think there's any situation unless he knocks it out of the park. And I think one recent example in a different sport would be Steve Kerr. He took over. You know, obviously they had been making the playoffs though, and they had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green on the team. Like it's not like the Browns have even. You know, they made the playoffs a couple years ago. They have some experience. None of these guys have any experience. Odell, Jarvis Landry, each of them played in one playoff game, got smoked. Miles Garrett never snipped the playoffs. Baker Mayfield's been a starter for half a season. Nick Chubb, one year in the league. Like they're depend- uh, Denzel Ward, one year in the league. They're, they're depending on a lot of guys that haven't done a goddamn thing in this league. And I, I, the expectations are out of whack just the way the team's covered. And I understand why they're covering him because Odell Beckham is probably the most famous non-quarterback in the league. You could argue, you know, even with the quarterbacks, he's probably a top five famous individual in the league. Baker Mayfield, super polarizing, the team, the hype. I, I get it. But I, I just don't see how this probably ends well. Because you just look at the history of first, the best coaches in like league history. Usually they start a little slow. Now you could be like, well, a lot of those guys that you named, their teams weren't super good right when they took over. Agree, but they're just good coaches, so they turned around immediately. Here, I think we just assume that the Browns are super loaded in a division that, listen, I don't love the Ravens, but I can't just be like, the Browns are going to kick the Ravens' ass. I can't say that because I watched it last year and it went the other way. They still, I'm not the biggest Roethlisberger guy anymore and think that they're going through a transitional period, but I can't just chalk the Browns up for go 2-0. and Like, are they going to win, go 3-1 and in those four games? And say what you want about the Bengals. 
who I don't know. I mean, no one knows anything about their head coach. They do have still have some pretty good players on that roster, last time I checked. I don't know if you ever heard of this guy named A.J. Green. Decent. Geno Atkins. I heard he's okay. Uh, they, they had a top 15 pick this year. Everyone said it was a can't-miss offensive lineman. Joe Mixon, that guy that, you know, got in a little trouble at Oklahoma. Pretty good running back. That guy can, that guy can play a little bit. Cincinnati always has good defensive Like, the team's good. There's not just... Are we sure that the Browns are just going four and two in their division? I mean, they could easily go three and three. And then check their schedule; it's not easy. You know, they just got like random Monday night football game at San Francisco. Like some of these games are just kind of difficult. And and I think the expectation, obviously, the players, you know, players have expectations that's natural. But a first time head coach, when you look around, I remember Bruce Arians showed up in the NFC West. Like, who's this crazy old guy? Boom, we knew right away. He went 10-6 and six in year one in a division that had Harbaugh and Pete Carroll like the peak of their powers. It was like, God, that guy can coach, you know? But he didn't have any expectations. People were like, oh, the Cardinals, they'll just fly under the radar. Turned out they were good immediately. Now, looking back, they had a but you know, traded for Carson Palmer, still had Fitzgerald, Calais Campbell, Dansby. They, they had good players. They drafted the Honey Badger, Patrick Peterson. Like, it's like, it made sense looking back. But who's to say that all these players for the Browns are going to turn into that in five or six years? I don't know. And I think the hype and the expectations right now have farly, ex, or, you know, by a wide margin, exceeded reality. And I, I'm just, I, I'm starting to kind of go the other way. I, I'm not disputing the talent on the field, but when it comes to the NFL, you usually only go as far as your coach. And first year head coaches that have no experience historically have not just knocked it out of the park. That's not the way the NFL works. And I think we need to temper our enthusiasm. I'm not trying to get the Browns fans to calm down because I get why you're excited. But just if they went 9-7, and seven, that's a good year. But I don't think it would be viewed as a good year by anybody. One thing I don't think we talk about that much in football because the sport is so big is market share. And I, I do believe when you're a quarterback, if you're really good, the market share doesn't matter. Like, Seattle's not an enormous market, but Russell Wilson's so damn good, it doesn't matter. I, I think a good example, Carson Palmer was in Arizona for a while, and he was an MVP candidate, right? Kansas City's not a huge market, didn't matter. Mahomes, MVP, one of the biggest stars of the league. Quarterbacks can overcome it. But other positions, just talked about it, about with the Browns, with Odell Beckham, Let's call it what it is. Odell Beckham is a really big deal right now. Part of that that he's a really big deal is he played for the New York Giants. If he had made that one-handed catch and just been drafted by the Browns and still on the Browns, it wouldn't be as crazy. Like, when you play for the Yankees, it's a lot bigger deal than playing for the Twins. Just a fact. You play for the Cowboys, that's a bigger deal than just playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You you can even do cross sports. Playing in the big markets... Like, you play for the Lakers, that's pretty important. It's bigger than the Kings. You play, and I've seen it my, myself because I worked in the NFC East, and I'm a West Coast guy. I, I get it. The, the They don't want to give us Monday Night Football games out West because if we're not good, people just won't tune in. Well, the uh, Philly, Washington, New York, Dallas, the needle will move. The Patriots have now become that. Uh, obviously the, the Cowboys are the true cash cow, but the markets do matter in the NFL. And I also think that sometimes players, really good players, can almost become underrated because they play in a smaller market. 
Now, this guy starred in a bit bigger market, but on my other podcast, Haberman Middlecoff, we we I was at Niner practice and I've been working on interviewing some players. Wanted to talk to some guys, and uh, they were good enough to give me George Kittle, me and my partner George Kittle, and Mike McGlinchey. Well, we're saving McGlinchey to come out on Monday. He was really good. I mean, McGlinchey's a pretty impressive individual. But we had on George Kittle, second team All Pro, Pro Bowler, broke. Travis Kelsey's record for most yards in a season uh, from a tight end. He's excellent. I mean, I'm at practice, told him this. Like, I got a pretty good idea what an elite player looks like, and he's a baller. He is big time. Now, the bar's kind of low in San Francisco because the rest of their offensive players, besides Jimmy and some of their linemen, aren't great. But I, I know what it looks like. Like, he's, he's an elite player. He has just elite movement skills. He's big time. But what makes him different, I think, than like Kelsey and Ertz, and really closer to Gronk, he's a complete player. He's a badass as a blocker. So I, I simply asked him, who's the best player? And he's played the last several years against all the best pass rushers. Who's the best, the hardest guy he had to block? And, and I think he gave a pretty interesting response to the hardest guy he had to block that I didn't quite see coming. Let's take a listen. Uh, I mean, Cleo Mack's Cleo Mack, and Von Miller's Von Miller. Um, hmm. But... I was like the one game I wanted back was Cleo Mack got me in a couple pass rushes, but I think one of the most underrated or like not talked about guys is Chandler Jones. Yeah. I think he's incredible. Yeah, he's a beast. He is incredibly strong. He's fast. He's got some really, really good, like smooth vet moves. He, he does, was so good in the game here last year. Oh, yeah. He had like three first turners. Like, no, but he's he, he just makes plays because he has those long arms. And like I said, he's got some veteran things where, like, if he knows he's getting blocked, he'll anchor down and he'll push the tight end back into the running back so he can't slip underneath it. He does some things that not a lot of people do. Response made me think. Because when we think of the best defensive players, we think really of three guys. We think of Aaron Donald, who is incredible and he deserves it, but now he's the face with McVay of the L.A. Rams. Of the L.A. Rams. Not the St. Louis Rams. The L.A. Rams. Khalil Mack, who was a really big deal in Oakland, but still was probably flying under the radar, got traded to a top five market in Chicago and is now the face of their team. And they're good. So you go, God, Khalil Mack. Like he is, Khalil Mack, don't get it twisted. And Raider fans, this is going to bother you. He's going into the Hall of Fame as a Chicago Bear. Like his best moments are going to happen in Chicago. The other guy, Vaughn Miller, I wouldn't say Denver. I, I don't know exactly what the market size is, but it's not like top five or six. He was a Super Bowl MVP. It's really one of my great gambling uh, wins of my life. Attended the game, bet on the Broncos, and he dominated. He had one of the great three-game stretches in playoff history. So, And he was a top two pick, whatever. Well, Chandler Jones, who was a pretty big deal with the Patriots, but still kind of under the radar because they had Brady and Gronk, then gets traded after he goes naked to the synthetic marijuana to the police station, has now been in Arizona. I googled it. He has 41 sacks the last three years. Let me repeat that. 41 sacks the last three years. That's averaging almost 14 sacks a year. And it doesn't feel like anyone's talking about him. And George Kittle, who like he said, Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller, obviously, this guy's kicking ass and taking names. If you put Chandler Jones on the Eagles, like we would talk about him like we do Fletcher Cox. And I think quarterbacks are kind of immune to this. If you can ball, you can play in Minnesota, you can play in Seattle, you can play in San Francisco, you can play in Philly, you can play in Kansas City. It does not matter. But when it comes to other really talented players, I think another guy whose career he won't get the hype as he should will be Luke Keekley because he's played in Carolina. I think he's been 
probably the last seven, eight years as a player. Now, I know he's battled some concussions, but when he's been on the field, are you a top five most complete player, offense or defense in the NFL? We don't talk about it. Antonio Brown is unreal. Well, he's benefited a lot from playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, and being their best player. If Antonio Brown was doing what Antonio Brown was doing on the Jaguars, I don't think we'd quite consider him. You know, it just, it's the market share for non-quarterbacks really does impact you. And it, it just has a, like in the NBA, it doesn't. Russell Westbrook wins the MVP of the year, is one of the faces of the league, plays in Oklahoma City. I saw, I, when I grew up in Davis, the Sacramento Kings, Chris Webber, Vladi, Mike Bibby, they, they, in the NBA is a little different because it's kind of star player driven. In the NFL, that's a little more team centric and quarterback centric. Some of these players that, and I would imagine anyone listening, because I get DMs in the Middlecoff mailbag from all you guys. Hey, I'm a Bengal fan. Well, you go, God, Geno Atkins has been unreal. I'm a, I'm a Tampa Bay fan. I think Mike Evans is a top 10 player in the NFL non-quarterback. I, I, and I think you give me all these examples from different teams around the league. I remember trying, I mean, you can just think of all these type players off the top of your head. The, the pass rusher, I always screw up his name for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's a baller. You know, uh, Chandler Jones. Now, I'm not saying Chandler Jones isn't well-known by football fans, but I think it shows you, like, this is one of the best tight ends in the league that mentioned him without hesitation right up there with Von Miller and Khalil Mack. And I, even myself, I never would, and I should. But what sells? Like, talking about the Giants, talking about Khalil Mack, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, talking about Carson Wentz, talking about coaches. I don't spend time talking about Luke Keekley, though I... I was at practice the other day with the Niners, and all of a sudden I look across the uh, kind of the practice field. The first guy I actually recognized was Drew Rosenhaus. I'm like, damn, Drew Rosenhaus here, and he was there because. And I, I go, oh, that's Navarro Bowman, and Navarro Bowman was right next to him. And Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis are one, you know, special place in my heart. I love watching those two play, and really they both only got to play together in peak form for like two years. And it was remarkable. It always pisses me off when people say in the draft, we don't, I I would not draft a middle linebacker that high. You wouldn't? I'd take Ray Lewis, Luke Keekley, Patrick Willis, number one in any draft, unless I needed a quarterback, without hesitation. If I knew the guy was going to be that good, wouldn't hesitate. The guy plays the run, plays the pass, can cover, can blitz, can handle the outside run, can handle the inside run, can carry the tight end, can create turnovers. The guy can do it all. that's That's the player. So that's always a pet peeve of mine. But I think the one thing that helped boost Bowman's kind of, uh, you know, uh, I guess name and how he resonates with fans, he obviously wasn't a big-time player, but he played on a really famous team in a big-time market that during the Harbaugh years, he was, you know, a top two or three player on that team. You know, where Chandler Jones is going to create this career. I mean, he'll probably play in the Cardinals for five or six years rack up 14, 15 sacks a year and almost fly under the radar. And I I think anyone listening to this probably has a player on their team if you're not a big market team that goes, yeah, I can kind of, I can relate to that. That that happens because it's happening all over the league. I think it happened somewhat to Joe Thomas for years. Can you imagine what Joe Thomas, we've tried to, he follows me on Twitter. I've been DMing him. I'd love to get him on this podcast. But if Joe Thomas had been a cowboy or an eagle his whole career, the way, the way we would speak about Joe Thomas, we talk about him like he's Anthony Munoz, but he never played in the playoffs, never played in a meaningful game. So, and he played in Cleveland. 
But if you, you put that guy on the New York Jets, I mean, think of how we would consider him and hold him to the level. Even though I would imagine if I got a pass rusher in 2010 to be like, who's the toughest left tackle to go against? They'd all probably say Joe Thomas. But it's just the way the cookie crumbles. These markets for non-quarterbacks impact your marketability in just the way us just casually talk about players. It matters. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long long way away with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights roof racks bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users Don't visit other leading job sites. LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool. 
or after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Okay, let's dive into something really quick that I've seen, and it's somewhat bothering me. And I've seen both ends of the spectrum, and I don't think they could be any more irrelevant. One, there are always overreactions in many camps with rookies. To me, I put zero stock into it. Literally zero stock. I can't judge you. Now, I mean, if you can't move or something, for sure. But I'm just saying, any first-round pick, until the pads come on, I reserve some judgment. When it comes to quarterbacks, like, quarterback, by far, of all the positions on the field, is going to encompass, right, the biggest combination of mental and physical skills. By far, asking the most. Like, if I draft the defensive lineman, I saw some clips on Twitter the other day from Cleveland Farrell. Just, bro, you got the uh, C-gap or the D-gap, and you're on passing downs, go get the quarterback. It's relatively easy. If you're a corner and it's man coverage, like, bro, you're just checking the wide receiver. As a quarterback coming from college, where there's never been a greater disconnect, really, in college in the pros, even though the pros are implementing a lot of stuff that you're doing in college, still pretty, you know, a huge, huge stretch of what you're being asked to do, audibles, playbook, density, timing with new teammates. Like, it's basically really hard. Most quarterbacks, I would imagine, in NFL history, even sweet rookies, have not looked outstanding in minicamp. Now, they might make some outstanding throws, but if you ask Coach, like, yeah, he was struggling with this, struggling with that, it was just a lot to handle. It should be a lot to handle, right? It's like someone's first day on Wall Street or someone's first day on a job in a big-time company. It's just a lot going on. And I've seen and read that Will Greer's crushing it for the Panthers. I've seen and read that Ryan Lindley is terrible for the Bengals. Uh, Daniel Jones, Ben hit or miss. I don't, none of that means anything and it should not mean anything to you. I really don't think you can start judging a guy until some preseason games where you see a guy in live reps because a guy can struggle a little bit in training camp because a lot's being thrown at you. They're wanting you to fail. So then they can correct it. Uh, it's okay to fail in these situations. I saw a headline of Jameis throwing picks in minicamp. Who cares? trying to learn this new offense under Arians. Now, in fairness, there might be more to that just because it's a guy that's throwing a lot of picks. I get it, but I'm not judging Jameis Winston off minicamps, let alone rookies. It's okay to screw up. It's literally the point of these minicamps, to figure out what you're good at, what you're bad at, and what you're comfortable with the playbook. One, you're just learning the playbook. So anytime you read anything about quarterbacks, now if you read a corner can't run, a wide receiver has drops, yeah, I think you can put a little stock into some of that. Offensive and defensive linemen, you really can't because you can't play those positions without the pads. But when it quarter comes to quarterbacks, either greatness or below averageness, I, I think you got to take it all with a grain of salt and, and just know that these guys are being overwhelmed with information. And I think that sometimes, too, a guy that's being overwhelmed with information can just overcome it by making a great throw. Well, you go, the guy made a great throw, but the the uh, corner's not allowed to, 
you know, not allowed to bump them at the line of scrimmage. The defensive linemen, I've been at these practices, they stop after like two Mississippi. So there isn't even a real pass rush. Some of the coolest plays happen like seven seconds after the snap of the ball that in an NFL game, the the quarterback would be dead or had to throw the ball away. So I'm just telling you, and I do it too, like, oh my God, you see Ryan Lindley sucks. Take it, you know, factor in who the messenger is. It's usually a beat reporter. Let's call it what it is. Beat reporters can be wrong. Now, if you read a quote from like, you know, a league executive of the Giants says that Daniel Jones looks terrible or the Bengals coaches internally think that Ryan Lindley sucks, yeah, and then there's something to that. But you don't see any of that right now because it's not even worth it for them to leak that because there's so much information to be gained once training camp starts. Now, once training camp starts, different conversation. Uh, What year would that have been? 2014. I saw it with Tyler Wilson for the Oakland Raiders. Worst quarterback I've ever seen live. Was cut at training camp after, you know, going into the season. He was a fourth rounder. It was clear after about three practices, like, this is a disaster. You can make judgments off training camp practices. You cannot make judgments, and I'm not even saying the judgments off the practices are right, but you can get a feel like this might look ugly when the game comes. And then the game, the preseason games, really just solidify good or bad. Or if you had a bad thought and a guy's good, you're like, okay, we need to be a little open-minded, or vice versa. A guy that's really good in practice sucks in the games. But I think training camp is truly the time when I start can making judgments on guys I see live or something on TV or whatever, where I go, oh, God, that looks sweet, or God, that looks off. But during OTAs, I'm telling you, if a guy's just walking straight and being able to chew gum and has his clothes on, you just, you're okay. You know, so don't, especially the negativity, don't overreact to some of these headlines, salacious headlines. And again, I like a good salacious headline as much as the next guy. But that you read about some of these players until about mid-August. Then then you can start to freak. Let's go Middlecoff Mailbag. When I answer you guys' questions from uh, my DMs on Instagram, where I try to be pretty active. Uh, okay, let's start. You guys ready? Instagram, at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. DMs wide open. You slide in, you get your question answered. Hey, John, love the pot. Same. Big ASU fan, wondering your thoughts on having Marvin Lewis on the staff and what impact it will be in recruiting. Do you think his presence could lead to a long-term control of the Pac-12, Pac-12 South? Well, I don't follow recruiting that closely, but I follow it close enough to know they've recruited really well. And Marvin Lewis, who I think you know a lot of new school people on Twitter laugh at, I think need to check the resume of what the Bengals were, what he did when he took over, and how successful they were under his watch. So 100%, I think it helps the it helps Herm Edwards. Now, I think it helps more in like a week-to-week game planning if he starts maybe helping out the defense or the defensive coordinator, just giving his thoughts to Herm just in general. Recruiting-wise, I don't know how much it's going to help. It doesn't hurt, but Herm can recruit by himself. I mean, Herm, and he has Antonio Pierce, like, recruiting is not going to be... They didn't need Marvin Lewis to recruit. What they need is to be able to scheme people up X's nose-wise. And look at the division. I think Chip Kelly's the most overrated coach currently in college football. And when I say overrated, I mean a guy that still has a big, you know, uh, kind of the hype on him. When you say his name, it still resonates. And I don't think he's good anymore. And I know for a fact, no people that are involved in the recruiting, they're not recruiting well. And I just don't think they're going to be very good. 
The Trojans are a disaster. Clay Helton's not a USC head coach. Now, they have talent, but they're not very good. Then I go to Utah. They're solid. Whittingham's good. But they're not getting blue chippers. He's just such a good coach. Colorado got what's-his-name from Georgia, uh, Mel Tucker, who was with Saban and been in the NFL for a while. I think Mel Tucker was the coach they hired. He never coached on the West Coast. And Colorado's not an easy job. And then you look at Arizona, Kevin Sumlin. That's, Arizona's a tough job to win at. So I think when Dick Tomey passed, he had like five of the seven double-digit win seasons in the history of the program. Might have been like three of the five. You know, it's they don't win a lot there. So, yeah, I, I think Arizona State, if Herm can keep this thing rolling and they can recruit, definitely could be a major factor. Lifelong Cowboys fan here. I'm wondering why no one is talking about Dallas. I don't know where you're listening or reading. I think I feel like everyone's always talking about Dallas. Have they not made enough offseason acquisitions? I do kind of like it because Dallas sort of underdog vibe. I see. I think they're one of the best teams in the league. I think top to bottom, their roster's loaded. Uh, they return a they return a coach. They return a quarterback that have all been playoffs. That have all been in the playoffs. They return a lot of good offensive linemen, a star running back, a star receiver. They add Jason Witten back to the mix. Defensively, they're loaded. I mean, I think the Cowboys, people always ask me, who's going to win the NFC East? I'm like, I don't know, but I think the Eagles and Cowboys are both playoff teams. I'd be shocked if both those teams don't win double-digit games. To me, both those teams, one should win 12, the other should win like 13. I think they're two of the best teams in the NFL. I, I, I really think that highly of them. I know Jason Garrett takes a lot of crap. I don't think Jason Garrett's that bad. Like, is he Bill Walsh? No. But is people talk about him like as the clapper and make fun of him. Now, granted, I'm... You know, I, I can't throw stones at a glass house. I have two. But I, I always stick up for him in the sense that he's not Jim Tom Sula or Jack Del Rio. Like, the guy wins. The guy makes the playoffs consistently. Now, is he the type of guy you want in a big playoff game? I, we could argue that. But I, I think Jason Garrett's better than most. So, yeah, I, I think the Cowboys, flying under the radar, I, I got news for you, the Cowboys are never flying under the radar. But I do agree in the sense that how talented their team is, they're not receiving the same hype. Like the Browns are receiving more hype. And the Cowboys have done remarkably more. Dak Prescott has accomplished remarkably more than Baker Mayfield. So yeah, I, I'd agree there. What are your thoughts on the expectation for Sam Darnold and the Adam Gase offense this year? Their wide receiver room improved with the addition of Crowder, but their receiving core still lacks a wide receiver talent. I agree. I think they're going to be good because I think Adam Gase is a good coach. I think Le'Veon helps a lot. That's where having a sweet running back that catches the ball a lot, like Le'Veon catch you hundred balls. They don't like they, they didn't just add a running back. They added a dynamic offensive weapon. So I, I would expect Le'Veon to rush for a thousand and catch ninety five balls. And then the wide receiver room with Robbie uh Robbie Anderson's his name. Uh, I'm trying to think of the wide receivers they have Jameson Crowder. Yeah, I mean they don't really have the offensive weapons. Their defense should be a lot better, and I think Sam Darnold's just a playmaker. To me, their problem was at three, there wasn't like a Julio Jones or someone in this draft, so what were they supposed to do? You couldn't take one of the tight ends that high. They couldn't trade back. So I, I would expect the Jets to be like 8-8. Eight and eight. I mean, I saw Adam Gase do more with less in Miami. I think this Jets roster is not that bad, uh, especially in that division's not very good. Colin always says the SEC coaches are saving and a bunch of gym teachers. <laughs> Being a lifelong suffering South Carolina fan, my coach actually looks like a gym teacher. He kind of does. And is taking the program nowhere soon. Who can replace Muschamp <laughs> so we can be competitive? I think you're giving Muschamp somewhat of a bad rap. I agree he does have a little gym teacher to him. 
the Tennessee coach, little gym teacher. Dan Mullen, I'd say he's a little bit better than a gym teacher, maybe like a college PE teacher. I'd go Jimbo. Jimbo's a high-level coach. I mean, he's won a national championship. Gus is a good coach. Ogeron, little gym teacher. I think Kirby's a good coach. I, I would agree. The coaching is Saban and a bunch of kind of randoms. Kirby's good. Jimbo's good. Ogeron, I think, has gotten better, but he's still at Ogeron. What's crazy is by far the football conference is the closest thing there is to the NFL in terms of the intensity, the way it's covered, in terms of the top-to-bottom talent, in terms of the money they pay the coaches, in terms of the standard every program holds their coaches and players to. It's winner, it's winner go home there, which I love. The SEC, I think their motto, as you know, if you're a South Carolina fan, it just means more. As a Pac-12 guy, I didn't even call myself a ma- ma- uh, whack Mountain West guy too. It does just mean more, 100%. But I, I do think the coaching stuff, here's what's hard though, is I don't think you can coach in the SEC and not be from the South. I think that plays a huge element there. You can't throw a West Coast guy in the SEC and have success. I saw it with my guy Jim McElwain. You guys hated him in the South. And he won the SEC East twice. People were ready to fire him like after year one. But you got to have that Southern twang you got to say we love, we're going to hit the beat the bushes and find the players and make my playmakers make plays. And me and my defensive coordinator, we're getting ready for, for Kentucky this weekend. And then we got Alabama. Then we got Mississippi State. I love where our program is at. We're going to keep recruiting. And our, the standard is saving. We're trying to be like Nick Saban. If you don't talk like that, and, you know, first and foremost, G, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, like there are things that do this. Like that doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what your accent is if you want to coach at USC or Washington, you know, or Ohio State. Just can you win? <laughs> in the South, you got to win and you kind of got to be one of them, which I respect. I mean, it's part of the deal. And it's why Saban's kind of the best of both worlds. When it, Look at Jim. I mean, the guy's name is Jimbo. Now he's an elite coach. Dabo. Kirby. I mean, that's that's just the nature of the deal. You know, I'm the head coach at Georgia. We got good players. We got to try to win the SEC. We got to try to make it to the SEC championship game. We make it to the SEC championship game. We make it to the playoffs. We get to the playoffs. We'll have a chance to win national championship. That's the goal here, to win national championship. (laughs) That that just doesn't fly out where I am. You know, it it matters there. So I think that makes it difficult. Because in a perfect world, you go, why wouldn't your team, South Carolina, like why wouldn't they offer Kyle Whittingham $4 million a year? Like, well, Kyle Winningham wouldn't fit. Why wouldn't LSU go after Chris Peterson? Well, he wouldn't really fit at LSU. Even though, in theory, he should fit. They're just good coaches, but they don't. It's like David Shaw works out west. Would he work at Mississippi? Like, probably not. And it's the, it's the biggest difference between college and the NFL. Like, in the NFL, if you coach the Niners or you coach the Eagles or you coach the Houston Texans, no one cares how you talk. No one cares who you're married to. It doesn't matter. Do you win or lose? Can you do you understand the draft, right? But if you coach at Tennessee, you know I just the, the alumni at the program. We love Peyton Manning. Arian Foster was a great. Alvin Kamara, uh, J- Jalen Hurd played here for a minute before he transferred to Baylor. We had some disagreements, but he just didn't fit the culture of what we were trying to build here at the University of Tennessee. This is the way you talk, which I love. I love doing a Southern accent, but I, don't get me wrong, I love the SEC. But there are things that go along with the SEC. Like, you can't hire Minnesota's offensive coordinator, expect him to crush it in the SEC if he's not from the South. Because the difference is in the South, and just in college football in general, you'll always be torn to go home. Like, look at 
Oregon's a top 10 job in America, yet Florida State called and Willie Taggart left. Why he's from Florida? Well, if Willie Taggart had been from California, he's not leaving Oregon to go to Florida State. Like David Shaw, West Coast guy, he's not leaving here. Pete Carroll worked at USC. Uh, Chris Peterson, West Coast guy, UC Davis. Mike Bellotti, Oregon. Kyle Whittingham, West Coast guy. Like your region, Jim Harbaugh, played at Michigan, goes home. Urban Meyer's somewhat of an outlier from Ohio. Coached at Utah, coached at Florida. Coached at, he's just an elite coach. But like Jimbo, Jimbo just kind of works at LSU, Florida State, and Texas A&M. I, I don't know if Jimbo's really working at like Cal, you know? I don't know if Jimbo's working at Iowa. It, so it, it, that type of stuff does matter. Like Greg Schiano worked at Rutgers. New Jersey, just tough, like a mobster. You know, we're going to kick your ass in the back of an alley. Like Pat Hill, when I worked for him at Fresno State. Play any anytime, anywhere. Play, what was it? It was anytime, anywhere. I, I'm screwing up his saying. But it was Fresno. Just a, just kind of a crap, shitty city. Now, people in the 559 will resent that. But let's call it what it is. They call it the armpit of California. But it's just blue-collar people ready to hit people in the mouth. And that's who Pat Hill was. That's why he worked. I mean, he's from L.A. Tough part of L.A. So it was per. He just fit. He fit the culture, you know. And he every year take on Oklahoma, Tennessee. Didn't matter. But I think your college coach does matter where he's from to have long term success. So Phil Savage, who I had on earlier this week, good interview. If you haven't heard, it was on on the Tuesday show. That he often told me about Nick Saban, like he would never coach in, on in California, or the West Coast, and I don't blame him. Like he wouldn't fit out here. His standards are too high. You know, he's an asshole. He'd kind of be crushed. They, they eat that up in the South. And he just probably thinks we're soft out here. And I got news for you. He's not wrong. Uh, now, we tr- in the Middlecoff household, we try not to be. But a lot of other people around here are. And I, I think that just regionally, it plays a big deal in college football. One point you talked about I want you to expand on for me. Forced opinion TV shows. They're usually annoying and get hate on social media. Why are these sh- shows a thing? They usually pick topics literally no one is arguing about other than two guys on the set. And you see a future where radio mirrors podcasts. Uh, And you see a future where radio mirrors podcasts. Will FS1 ever have first things first or the herd just pick up either topics on expanding? Yeah, I mean, I I got news for you. On television, you do things that rate. And if they don't rate, they get scrapped. So it's all about ratings. Like, I know where I live, local radio is dying. I do way more listeners on this show than any local radio show in my market. Now, I know local radio shows in like Philly and New York are doing well, but I know this. There's never been more people living in the Bay Area, and our market share in local radio has never been lower. And usually, at least us on the West Coast, are a little ahead of the curve. Like podcasts are the thing. And the difference with podcasts, now you're always you're either growing or dying in business, but you have to seek this podcast out. Now, a lot of you have found me through Colin, but if you don't like it, you won't listen, right? And if you like it, you'll keep listening. And tell and word of mouth, tell your friends. Like at one point in time, no one knew who Colin was when he showed up at ESPN, unless you had lived in one of the areas in which he had worked. But then the first time you heard him at ESPN, because it gave him a bigger platform, you were like, holy hell, this guy's really good. <laughs> you know? It doesn't, the man on the moon could tell you, this guy is good at his job. It was clear. He was, he's a star. You know, I remember listening for the first time, probably like my freshman year in college, 0304. I don't know when his first year. I just remember that first year or two when he got the ESPN job and I was a Jim Rome guy. I was like, uh, I'm going to listen to this. And I've listened to him ever since. But I think Colin, 
there's a balance of like ratings, but there's also a balance like he can just talk about any topic and make it interesting. And I think there are some topics that the the arguing shows, I also do think mirror a lot of the political shows. People always freak out, the media members who are just so left-leaning. They're always like, oh my God, Fox News! Yeah, Fox News is the same thing MSNBC and CNN do. They all do the same thing. They just pick different sides. They do it because it works. Fox News is the most lucrative cable news channel in the history of America. So they do these argument shows because people watch. If people didn't watch, they would they would cancel them. It's I don't like it. Now, would I sell out? I, I hope not. But I struggle. I didn't get into this to do topics I don't want to talk about. Now, luckily for me, I'm a little different because I, I didn't go to journalism school. I'm not some elite left liberal. I just have thoughts like a normal human. You know, and I think a lot of the media are so extreme. Like, that's, that's not really me. And most of the time, and luckily this just worked out, I think the opposite of the mass media. So the mass media hangs a left. I just, I don't have to force myself to go right. I'm just like, yeah, I don't really agree with them. So luckily, the, the media is all kind of groupthink, you notice. For the most part, they all think alike. It's one reason why Collins always stood out. He just thinks a little differently than them. And he's really smart. So it's a combination. Like, God, this really guy's smart. He'd make a good point. Everyone else saying the other thing. Like right now with Mark Stevens, the Golden State Warriors owner that got banned. I know Collins went on a big thing. He should be banned for life. I actually, my first reaction was, isn't that a little extreme? Like, he, he didn't hit the guy in the face. He shoved the guy and he said "f you" to him or whatever. But and I'm not defending this guy. I'd never heard of him till he shoved Kyle Lowry. But he got a year long ban and a five hundred thousand dollar fine. Like Larry Bear, who the CEO of the Giants that I'm sure many of you saw on TMZ, shoved his wife to the ground and got three months. And to me, that's way worse than anything Mark Stevens did. And I'm not trying to say I don't know how you distinguish bad acts. They're both bad acts, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the we live in a culture of constant overreaction and everyone wants to just basically throw people in jail. It's why the Tyreek Hill thing. If Tyreek Hill hit his kid and broke his arm and hit, you know, whatever he is accused of doing, he should go to jail. If he didn't and this girl made it up, she should go to jail. I'm, I'm pretty consistent on those deals. Luke Walton, he's in something right now. If Luke Walton attempted to rape Kelly Tennant, Luke Walton should go to jail. If she made it up, she should go to jail. Like, aren't these issues pretty black and white? Now, I think some of them are tough, like the Mark Stevens thing. Everyone's like, he's got to go! Like, really, does he? For What is that really going to solve? You know, I'm not saying he didn't cross the line and didn't make a fool of himself, but banning him for a year, like, what is that really solving anything? I, I don't know. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So 
my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. My question is regarding Julio Jones, which I believe is constantly undervalued by the media members in terms of ranking against his peer receivers, but also an overall athlete. In your second to last episode, you had guys like Tyreek Hill and Odell Beckham as freak athletes, but never mentioned Julio. Is it due to his lack of TD production? I, I, I think it's fair to put Julio right in that in that level. I think Tyreek Hill and Odell Beckham are twitchier athletes, are more explosive athletes. Uh, they're just a different type athlete. Uh, I mean, Tyreek Hill is one of the most explosive athletes we've ever seen in NFL history. Odell Beckham is close. We've seen Julio-type players before. Julio's like the a better version of Calvin Johnson. He's a remarkable athlete. You know, I mean, I, I'm not just because I call Tyreek Hill the cream of the crop doesn't mean that Julio's not elite too. Uh, there's just differences. Like Steph Curry's a great athlete, but Russell Westbrook is superior. Now Steph Curry's a better player. Like Julio Jones, is a better player than uh, than Odell Beckham. Just a fact. I mean, the resume speaks for itself. So I I think sometimes when you, we use athletes, it's all relative. Like if you play in the NFL at wide receiver. 98% of them are high-end athletes. Then you start nitpicking the high-end athletes. You go, well, Tyree Kill, Odell Beckham. Like, Odell Beckham's just a much better athlete than Jarvis Landry. 
Now, Jarvis Landry's been much more productive in his career, but Odell Beckham's just a different level athlete. Even like Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a really good athlete, but you wouldn't call him a quick twitch athlete. He has good feet. And this is like scouting kind of lingo, but you really dive in on the individual athlete. You can be an elite. Like, you don't have to be LeBron James in your sport to dominate. Steph Curry isn't a super twitchy athlete. You can get by. Anquan Bolden was an elite player forever. He couldn't run. Crabtree had some great seasons. He can't run. So you can get by with skill. And Julio's the combination of them both. I'd say the one knock on him, he doesn't have great natural hands, but he's still got good hands. There's a lot of talk about guaranteed contracts for NFL players. Do you think if the owners in the NFL did agree that you'd see owners take the cheap way out and only sign players to one or two years at a time? I think they do a pro I think they would do that to protect themselves against major injuries, but I could also see it being a negative if you sign a player for cheap and they have a massive year, just want to get your thoughts. I think it's a tough deal because as fans of the NFL and you're you're a fan of your team typically first and then of players on the team, you don't want your team to be stuck with shitty contracts. Like you understand it with quarterbacks, but the best part about all these other contracts, unless you have a Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald, for the most part, you're going to sign a pretty team-friendly deal. And if the guy is good, you're going to control him. If he stinks, you're going to be able to get rid of him. It's one of the best things the NFL has going for him. And unlike baseball and basketball, injuries are much more prevalent in the NFL. It's much more of a violent, physical game. There's legitimately contact on every given play. You're just going to have much more injuries. Would you want, as a fan, the NFL to give fully guaranteed contracts to non-quarterbacks? Because I wouldn't. I don't think that would be good business. I know Twitter would applaud it and the players would be super happy. But it's not good for the product. You think it would be good for the product if... That'd mean Ndamukong Sue would still be on the Dolphins. That would mean, you know, certain players would be just stuck on teams. You wouldn't be able to get rid of anybody. I don't want that. Now, I do think there needs to be a fairer process for players to get more guaranteed money of the true seat. You know, if you're going to sign me to a three-year deal, but say it's a five-year deal, well, all three of those years need to be, you know, guaranteed. And maybe the contract structure needs to change a little bit because the NFL contract structure is just weird. It's just hard to understand. It's why you got to be really smart to negotiate the contracts. But I, I don't think the NFL will and should go to that model. Now, I, I do think the players are undervalued financially, given what the league is making. But I also think it's a little more complicated than like baseball than basketball. You're like, well, the players make way more. Yeah, there's five of them, you know, on a court, and really like seven or eight of them on a 12 man roster that matter. And if you have one or two of the main guys. You sign them to huge money. Well, if I'm if you're the seventh best player on my team, I don't feel great about giving you ten million dollars a year, and that's really their argument. Is like it's not necessarily the high end guys. The high end guys are all making money. It's the second, third, and fourth tier guys that are getting screwed. And it's, I don't necessarily have an answer. I'm not smart enough. I just know big picture. You would never want like I'm just trying to think of a player that signed this year. C.J. Mosley, you know, he got true, I think, like $50 million, but his deal was like six years, $80 million. What if every one of those pennies was guaranteed? So basically you owe him like $13 million or $15 million a year for six years. So if he starts sucking in three, you're stuck with him for another three. The great part about the NFL is I can get rid of him in two if, if he's not good. Gives your team a lot of flexibility, which I think matters and which is a big reason the NFL excels is that flexibility. Uh, yeah, so just keep hitting my Middlecoff mailbag questions. That, that's going to do it. We're about 50 minutes in. 
I'll let you get to this weekend. You might already be in this weekend, maybe getting a little morning jog on a Saturday. Appreciate you listening. Keep telling your friends, and I'll see you next week. John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.